pay a little attention to. And so you see John and Charles Wesley's name on the board. I'm going to talk about them and the, uh, the Methodist Church. But uh, also because it includes the history of this church, too, it's tied in to you sitting in this building right now, uh, part of this history. But the, <clears throat> currently the Methodist Church is in an upheaval and they are going through uh, some pretty bad stuff. But I really don't think it's bad. I think it's wonderful. That's what I think. Uh, there were people in the Methodist Church, higher ups, that said we're going to embrace diversity. We're going to embrace homosexuality. We're going to embrace all that. And I heard uh, that a guy not that long ago uh, opened his Methodist Church with a prayer Dear Allah. And he finished in Allah's name. I'll tell you what, if I was there and he said, Dear Allah, I'd been right out the door in five seconds. I wouldn't wait that long to get out of there. But that's the attitude that's coming from above. And so there are uh, churches right here around us that are saying, No, we're not going to do it. And so they're voting to get out of the United Methodist Church is quite an upheaval, but it's a good thing. It's time to fix things that are wrong and make them right, and I'm glad they're doing it. And they pay a price for that. Uh, they, some of these people have to buy their church back. Believe me, the Methodist organization didn't pay for that church. People who went there paid for it. But now they've got to actually buy it back if they agree to step aside. And so old John Wesley, you think, well, he's turning over the grave. No, no, he's cheering. That's it. Get do what you got to do. And I want to talk a little bit about him here. And uh, him and his brother, Charles. John was born in 1703 and his brother, 1707. These are the two people who founded uh, what we call that. But they didn't intend to do that at all. They attended Oxford College together and they started something that, at Oxford College that they called the Holy Club. And we're going to have a Holy Club in Oxford. And what they did, they uh, said, we're going to, every person that's in the club is going to have personal time of devotions every day. And then we're going to come together in the evening and we are going to uh, read our Bibles together. We're going to meet together and have prayer. And uh, we're just going to call it a club, or later on it would be called society. And the purpose, the exact purpose, he said, was that we want a disciplined, disciplined method of holiness. So we want to have holiness in our life, and we're going to discipline ourselves to get together. Every day, read the Bible, pray together every night, and do it ourselves by ourselves. And so they started this in Oxford. And uh, the 
people in Oxford and the other students that hey, Wesley, he's crazy. Uh, and we think he's got a method for everything, and because he's calling it, and he's got a method of holiness, we'll call him to make fun of him a Methodist. And so that's how the word Methodist came about. Uh, it was to poke fun at Wesley, at both of them, Charles and the other one. And so he <coughs> decided he was going to take a missionary trip to Georgia, which, was, of course, then was the early days of, the, of America, uh, 1736. And so he sailed on a boat to Georgia. Now, this shows you how God works. He's going to go over there and start one of his disciplined methods of holiness, going to start a society over in uh, Georgia. Now, these are not churches. He never intended that they should be churches. He said, these are just societies. We get together and we read the Bible and we pray, and that's what they are. These are not supposed to be churches. And he said, if you have a church, you go to that church, which at that time was the Anglican church in England. Well, he got on a boat, and this shows how God works. Uh, on the boat, he meets people coming to America called Moravians. Now, has anybody ever heard of the Moravian church? There's a few of you who have heard of Moravian, not many. Uh, I don't know if you find any in this particular area, but there are Moravian churches. But the point was, where did they come from? There was a man over in what's probably part of Germany now, Switzerland area, and his name was Count Zinzendorf. He was a wealthy man, and he owned a big chunk of property there because he was part of the aristocracy. But he was God's man for sure. And he <coughs> had a group of people called the Moravians who were displaced from their property and their land. And he said, you come to my property and my land and you can live here. And they called the name of the place uh, Hernhut was the name of the place. Or I believe it interprets the Lord's Watch interpreted and they founded a Moravian group there and they became famous for a prayer meeting that lasted a hundred years in Hernhut they started praying these people were serious and I mean they were really serious and they said the Holy Ghost fell on them just like it did at Pentecost and they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they had a tremendous urge to go and uh, preach the gospel all over the world. The unique thing about the Moravians was they said, we really want to preach to the African slaves in America. So how are we going to do that? And so what they did, these tall uh, blonde, curly-haired Germans went down to the slave blocks and sold themselves as slaves. They got on the slave block, what are you doing here? I want to get to the 
slaves in America. And the only way I can get there is if I sell myself as a slave. So they sold themselves as slaves. That's extraordinary, my friend. That's an extraordinary uh, act that they did. And God blessed it. And the prayer meeting, they said, lasted for 100 years. There was always somebody in the church at Hernhut praying. Always, even sometimes it was just children, but they, Moravians, prayed. And so they begin to spread on this missionary uh, urge that they had because of the power of God on them. And on their way to America, they happened to get on the same boat as John Wesley. <laughs> and so becomes their greatest convert is John Wesley. All right. John Wesley, he's started a holy club. He's now on his way to Georgia to start one of his societies. But he's never had an experience with God. He's never been born again. He's raised, his father was a minister. Just go to church, follow the rules, and you'll be all right. And so he went to Georgia, and the trip failed. He didn't accomplish what he had wanted to. So he goes back to London. And there he meets a guy named Peter Bowler. And Peter Bowler is in a place called Aldersgate Street in London. Now, famous place. And so they invite John and his brother Charles to a meeting at Aldersgate, a Moravian meeting. And there, John writes, he says, my heart was strangely warmed, <laughs> is how he put it. So I think it's a good way to put it, all right? Something happened, he said, inside of me. And uh, so uh, he received the Lord, and three days, I think his brother Charles was first, and three days later, both of them received the Lord. And from that, urge, particularly the Moravian influence on John Wesley, he decided I'm going to go to all the world and preach the gospel. We call it the Great Commission. In a couple places in the Bible, in Matthew 28, uh, it says, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. And so uh, these people took that seriously, and so did uh, John Wesley. And so <clears throat> him and his brother became what's called itinerants, or an itinerant preacher was somebody who just traveled around. They didn't have a church, but they traveled here and there. Anywhere they could get a place to preach, they started to go and preach. And you heard of D.L. Moody? You heard a preacher named D.L. Moody? Have you ever heard of Ira Sankey? All right, now D.L. Moody was a famous preacher, and he had a famous singer named Ira Sankey. And the two of them worked together. If you haven't heard of that, you have heard of Billy Graham and George Beverly Shea, right? All right, famous preacher, got a singer, travels with him. Well, John Wesley was a great preacher. So was Charles, but Charles was the musician. 
And so together they started out and they're going to be itinerants. That is, they're going to travel anywhere they can go and preach and set up a society, a Methodist society, not a church. Right? So if you decide you want one in your home, we'll come there, we'll start this, and you'll have um, meetings there in your church. And so they begin to preach. More and more they were rejected by the Anglican church. We don't want these guys preaching. And so they started preaching in the marketplace. They go down the marketplace, go down some common area in London, anywhere on a street corner. They go and start preaching on the street corner. And what happened was they reached the working class because the fancy people went to church. And the working people didn't have time or weren't really invited, okay? And so these working people out in the marketplace would hear John Wesley or Charles preaching and they begin to take the holy club, turn them all into preachers, and they were preaching around. And as time came, more and more and more, uh, they were preaching out in the open air all the time. So... Wesley told people, here's what you do. You go to your Anglican church, sit through the service, all right? And when it's time for communion, you take communion. And when you baptize, you're baptized in that church. And we're not here to start a church. We're starting societies. Today we would call them home Bible studies. Huh, where have you ever heard of that before? All right, home Bible study. And so what they did, <coughs> they would meet, and there was two major things they did. One was sing, sing their hearts out. And Charles Wesley, as far as I'm concerned, and I know a little bit about him, okay, I know a little bit. Uh, he's the best hymn writer ever. And no one anybody better than Charles Wesley. His hymns are absolutely packed. I always say when we sing one, that's better than the sermon. I say that because it's masterful. Charles Wesley is a fantastic songwriter. So they'd meet. Where are we going to meet? Well, in somebody's barn. Meet in the barn. Start singing. Sing, and it's wonderful. And they preach like a house on fire taking the Bible, reading from the Bible, and preaching from the Bible. So you get a very direct style of preaching and happy amount of singing. All right? So people started all over. Got a society in the barn. Got a society in the, uh, in the woods somewhere. Anywhere. Wherever they could meet, they'd have a society. So these people come and they sing and hear great preaching. They go to the Anglican church. People look at them and say, what are you doing here? <laughs> Sounds familiar. Huh? Uh, what are you doing here? They were rejected. And so because of that, they said, Mr. Wesley, I know we're not supposed to be churches, but we're getting kicked out of our churches. So we're going to stand up and start churches. And the early Methodists were, uh, you marked them by vigorous singing and direct preaching. And Wesley and Charles 
and a whole bunch of other people uh, became pretty famous as itinerant preachers. Now, of course, because they have this missionary vision, they want to do what God's instructed them to do, uh, they, naturally, somebody's got to go to America, start preaching over there and building societies over there. And so, there's a fella who comes in 1771. Now, that should be pretty close to a date that you heard before. Right, 1775, hardly a man is now alive. 1776, the Declaration of Independence. A couple of years later, all right, the Revolutionary War is on. And there's a guy who comes over, his name is Francis Asbury. He was one in the Holy Club over in the, with John Wesley. And he has become an itinerant, that is a traveling preacher. And he comes to America, all right? Well, what happens, there's several of these people who come to America, but the Revolutionary War hits, and they said, well, we gotta kinda get out of here. We're from England, so I think we're gonna go. So they left, all right, they left. The only one that stayed was Asbury. He's the only one that stayed there, and so he's, uh, the only one left. Eventually, he stays through the war. Eventually, they have a meeting over here, and they decide uh, him and another fellow are our bishops. They're going to be bishops for us here who are part of the Methodist Society. So, um, they join up, and they say, we're going to have Episcopal churches. They say, well, I thought they were Methodists. They are. Episcopal Methodists. <laughs> in other words, they preached the same stuff, but they had a different form of government in their church. This was an Episcopal Methodist church. Or they had a bishop somewhere that they reported to. All right? John Wesley didn't want that. He didn't want them to do that, but they did it over here in America. And so the Methodists became separate. Uh, and so Asbury is setting up what he calls circuits. <clears throat> All right, so a preacher is going to ride a circuit. And they set up areas, and the preacher would start somewhere, and he'd take a circuit, probably a month long, and ride and preach and ride and preach and ride and preach and ride and preach. And the Methodist circuit riders were preachers who rode. Here, they rode out of Niagara Falls. So the Methodist circuit was in Niagara Falls here. And they're coming this way, all right. 1830, there's a group of people who begin a Methodist society in East Shelby. We think, we can't prove this, we only have a few reasons why we believe it, but we think it was right on this corner. That on this corner we believe was a stone schoolhouse. And uh, that 
that became the meeting place. And they're just a bunch of farmers. That's their names back there on that frame. And that's the names of the people who were part of the original Methodist society. That they're just farmers from the area. And they said, we want this good preaching and good singing. And so they started to meet together and they would be on a circuit. So this preacher would ride out of Niagara Falls. Where would he go? Well, he'd go to West Shelby. Okay, he'd go to Medina, Methodist churches. He'd go to uh, Millville, Knowlesville, East Shelby, Westbury, Barry Center, he's riding a horse, traveling from place to place, preaching as he goes, and establishing these spots. And so here it was a stone schoolhouse. And the reason there's no record of where the schoolhouse was, the only reason I think that is because there's a strange stones that keep coming up out of the ground over all the years. We've been mowing there for 30 some years and the stones keep coming out of the ground. And the stones in that house for the basement are like no stones around here I've ever seen. So I think they probably came from the stone schoolhouse and that was built afterwards, all right? But <coughs> that's, that's where Asbury was riding horse all over. He rode into Kentucky. He was one of the ahead of the settlers almost. And if you read this back sign, it talks about the circuit riders and it tells a little story about a guy who uh, went to Georgia and he said, a Methodist preacher came up to him and he said, I'm trying to get away from you guys. I left Virginia because you Methodists were there and now I get to Georgia and you're here. He said, so I'm going west. And he said, well, we'll be there too, you know. <laughs> and then the Methodist preacher said, and some of us will be in heaven and some of us will be in hell, so you'll never expect to get away from us anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> And they said, some places the only thing you go you find is crows and Methodist preachers. Right. So these guys were really an extraordinary bunch of people. But they met in this stone schoolhouse and part of that circuit. Eventually they built this in 1854. It's a Methodist Episcopal church, all right, because of the leadership of Asbury. I can't prove this, but I have a pretty good idea that probably Asbury set up the circuit out of Niagara Falls, that he was setting up circuits wherever he went. He probably was the one to set up the circuit. So you're inside of a church that's based on this concept that we are going to sing and preach. Sing and preach. And Preach from the Bible very seriously and sing with anticipation. And so why did God bless this movement? God really blessed it. It became far and away the most powerful group throughout the world was these early Methodists. If you read carefully what Jesus said, there's something that he really likes 
and he mentions it over and over. And most people go over it and don't pay attention to it. But Jesus says, when you uh, see John the Baptist, and he was a little worried, he says, you tell him this, the gospel is preached to the poor. That was one of Jesus' favorite ideas. And that's what he did, right? He wandered out in the wilderness preaching to people out in the middle of nowhere. The people who were an organized religion didn't want it. So he's preaching in places all around preaching to the poor. And that's what Methodism did. It took out of the organized church and preached to people on the street. So that here, a bunch of farmers, they got no religious training, but they got is a desire to serve God. And so they become part of the church based on the idea that we are reaching poor, everyday, common people. All right? And Jesus loved it. And I think that's why he blessed the Methodist movement so much. And now that the Methodist is having a little trouble, I think he's perfectly willing to go back. Say, you want to be a regular old person? And be just a person who believes in God. That's it. We will do for you. And so I think that concept is really how we started. We started in a home. I had done about, over the course of about 10 years, I had done probably eight Bible studies in people's houses. Actually, maybe more, but uh, I did one in Waterport, I did one in Albion, I did one in Barrie, I did one in Medina, I did one in uh, East Pembroke, uh, and some others. And when I finished with all those, my house was in the middle. That was an accident. I never planned that's what it was going to be. But I did a circle around my house. So people kept calling me saying, well, we want, we want more. I said, well, I'm in the middle. Come to my house. <laughs> and so they did. They came to my house. We got up to 40 people in my house, which was packed packed house and uh, that's what made us come here somebody said we ought to start a church and I said well go find one then I never thought they would <laughs> and they came in my driveway and said we found one come on so they came up here now it didn't look like it does today okay, you can see pictures back there of it looks like a fallen down building uh, but we fixed it up, and it was, once again, preaching the gospel to the poor. The plain, ordinary people meeting where? In a home. And so that whole concept, where Wesley didn't start out to have it be churches, but it fit perfectly. It became exactly what churches were supposed to be. And last week we had some visitors here, and after the service was over, I was over in the village talking to some of them, and they said, that's what church is supposed to be. Why do they say that? 
vigorous singing and direct preaching. That's a perfect formula for the church of Jesus Christ to follow. And so it's a little bit of history, how we got to be here, what happened with these guys who traveled around and how it forced them because they were rejected and it forced them to go to poor everyday working people. And that became by far the most powerful movement at that time. And now it's in, in a battle for its life. I hope you'll pray that they will be successful and break free from the people who want to turn it into something entirely different. So God bless them. Thank you. Thank you.